Hi, my name is Michael Frank, and this is the Prefab Pod presented by Prefab Review, where we interview leading people and companies in the prefab housing industry. Today, we're very lucky to be speaking with John Geary of Abodu, an ADU builder that's, I think, primarily on the West Coast. Um, John, welcome. And to start, uh, can you tell me about how and why you started building Abodu? Yeah. Hey, Michael. Thank you so much. Excited to be here today. Um, We started building Abodu back in... 2018, when the conversation around ADUs was beginning to evolve here on the West Coast. Um, so I, I actually got into the space. Uh, I, was, I was born and raised in a home builder household. My, uh, my father has been building homes in California since the late 80s. And you can imagine uh, being raised in that household, you get quite a bit of exposure uh, to the home building process, to the entitlement process, and the general challenges of building housing, uh, particularly in Northern California. I think that that challenge and that process always fascinated me, uh, which is why I ultimately ended up in uh, what I would call the home building space with ADUs. Um, We started working in 2018 literally with the goal of making the experience of adding an ADU uh, painless and easy for homeowners while delivering an exceptionally well-designed, kind of architecturally stunning uh, product behind it. It's, It's funny. We didn't set out to build a... Uh, prefab company, we we set out to solve the problems of homeowners that were trying to build an ADU. And it actually turns out that prefabricating ADUs makes a ton of sense, given what uh, the majority of homeowners are seeing as their challenges and just getting one of these ADU projects done. Um, so, you know, here we are, fast forward three and a half years later, um, having uh, you know, a couple hundred projects underway at this point across Northern California, Southern California, in the Pacific Northwest and uh, Seattle in particular. Uh, we've really expanded that ability to bring ADUs to homeowners uh, as quickly and easy as possible. Awesome. Thanks. That's that's really cool to hear. So I know a little bit about the company. So maybe uh, so you, maybe you can provide some more color. But basically, you have you have three models right now, right? Yep. We have our Abodu Studio, our Abodu 1, and our Abodu 2. Studio is 340 square feet. Uh, the Abodu 1 is a one-bed, one-bath. That's uh, 500 square feet. And then our 2 is uh, 610 square feet. Uh, two bed, one bath. Cool. Um, and that's like, so I'm, I'm, we've done a lot of like our sort of clients and community have done a lot of ADU projects. And I think in California, more or less, you know, these rules better than me. Um, <laughs> it's pretty reasonable to uh, go like up to a thousand square feet b- based on the ADU laws. So 610 is obviously right. Whatever. 61% of that. Why, mm-hmm. uh, why only three models and why only up to 610 square feet when, right? Like, you can theoretically permit 800 square feet or a thousand yeah. square feet. Great question, Michael. And it's one that we we spent a lot of time thinking about as a company, right? As a business here at Bodu, we really see ourselves as a product-driven company. And our product is the physical space, right? The, the Bodu Studio, Bodu 1, Bodu 2, but also the service attached to that, right? So the experience of working with us uh, from soup to nuts on your ADU project. I think one of the biggest things that uh, that prevents us from going much larger, at least at current, right, is just the amount of homeowners that can actually receive that big of a unit, right? There's there's quite a few uh, properties across California that can take that, call it 750, 800, uh, or 1,000 square foot unit, but it's actually a lot smaller than you think. And so when we when we started off, right, how do you get really good at what you do? You you narrow your focus, focus on a few core products and, and get a lot of reps with those products and then expand from there. Um, our Bodu 1 500 square foot was our first product. And really the goal there was, or, or how we kind of uh, settled on that sizing was looking at permit data across California and said, what is the average size ADU that people are permitting across the state? 
And, you know, what is the rough dimensions? Basically, like, what are people building right now? And how do we gain exposure to that segment? Um, and you'll notice our studio is, is, a, uh, is, is an ability of us to serve folks with a little bit smaller backyards. And our two-bedroom is an ability to serve folks with slightly larger backyards that we're just demanding more and more space. You know, I think over the course of this year, you'll probably see us come out with um, a product more on that larger square footage section like you're talking about, probably not all the way up to 800 or 1,000. And, and the reason being there is once you get over 750 square feet, you're just right. subject to impact fees, right? So like really the sweet spot in terms of impact right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You want to live right in that like 740 to 749 spot there if you're trying to maximize your overall value. And this, um, is, specific, I mean, this what, is specifically in California what you're talking about, right? Specifically in California, life. yeah. And what cool. we've seen is folks, folks, you know, they want the process to be easy and they want it done quickly. And, you know, if we've got a 500 square foot, oftentimes that wins out against a custom build 750. That makes sense. And are you doing these modularly or panelized? How, like, how are you actually building these? Yes, we use modular, um, okay. which, you know, the kind of key distinction within prefab is, are you, are you manufactured or are you factory right. built housing? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going the manufactured route. So right. we're building two local building codes, you know, California, that's title 24 energy requirements in Washington. Yep. That's, um, you know, including the very snow load requirements, depending on where you are in the state of Washington, um, which has made things a little bit more operationally complex on our side. But we think that that leads to a significantly better end product for the homeowner, right? They walk in, they feel the sturdiness of the floors. They know they've got dual pane windows with six inches of insulation on their exterior walls. Um, and it really helps overcome a lot of that stigma that can often occur within the prefab space. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's. So uh, I mean, we've. I mean, I've, we've probably done reviews of I don't know fifty at least. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly a proliferation of them. Um, and totally. one of the distinctions, like I try to understand, is like what do you do, right? Because on the minimal side, essentially, right, like we, there's like the marketing companies, which basically have some pre-designed non-engineer plans, and then you buy the plans. Yeah, basically, everything else is built third party. And then on the, there's some people who do everything. And I don't actually have a strong, I think different, different sort of varieties make sense for different Mm -hmm. people. Um, But what part of if you think about from like, design all the way through, right? Like local utility hookups, et cetera. What part do you mm-hmm. do? What part do you outsource, et cetera? <laughs> it's a really good question. So <clears throat> when we when we really looked hard at this space back in 2018, we wanted to back solve against the issues that homeowners were seeing, right? So what we've always said is we built a Bodu uh, from the customer back. So instead of building a solution in search of a problem, we really understood the problem and built the solution to solve that, right? So I think the key kind of pieces that we're really good at are the key pieces that homeowners think about for their given project, right? So, hey, I can go build, buy this prefab box, but shoot, how do I do the site work, right? What does an installation or a foundation mean? What does an installation mean? How do cranes work? How do I deal with utilities? What is What are the cities looking for for me, right? And I think, frankly, five plus years ago, that's how the prefab space just primarily worked. Not a soup to nuts view, but rather a, we'll sell you this box, but you got to figure else, uh, figure out everything else. So we took a bit of a different view and said, hey, in order to deliver an exceptional customer experience, we can't leave our customers high and dry or tell them to figure it out, right? We really have to own that uh, in order to deliver that, right? So what does that mean? We're a licensed general contractor in California and Washington, which allows us to own the prime contract for that site work. So we work really closely with install teams in each market that we play in to own that foundation, that utility connections, right? Sewer, water, and electric. That just um, means if you can see and you just like sub out or cost plus or something, the the contract with whoever the foundation person is, et cetera. 
Yeah, so we actually own, so we provide homeowners a fixed price up front, and then okay. we have deep relationships in each market we serve that get, basically yep. gives us flat rate pricing, you know, based on, you know, call it like a menu of pricing with our install partners, right? Okay. Uh, but yes, we don't have, you know, the plumbers, the electricians, or the tradesmen on our physical team that is subbed out. Um, and, and then you look at also, you know, what is, what do homeowners really stress about? It's the permitting side, right? Each city is different. Homeowners typically aren't well-versed in the, you know, comments and plan reviews that comes from building inspectors and planning inspectors and you name it. Right. And so we developed a really powerful in-house operation around what we call our planning function. And there's kind of two big pieces there. One is working directly with cities before we've necessarily built a project in that city. Hey, you know, we're getting a lot of inbound demand. We'd love to talk to you about how does ADUs work in your city? What are the process things? How do we make sure we get it right to save your team time? But also working really closely with cities that we've done 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 projects in and saying, hey, let's build a little bit more of a relationship here, right? We're talking to each other every single day. How do we make your life easier? How can you make our life and our uh, homeowners' lives easier? And, and really getting to a lot of the symbiosis. And I think that planning function is one that's often overlooked within prefab, within home building, within ADUs in particular, right? It's seen as just like this friction point that oh God, we've got to get the permit instead of how can we use the permitting process as an advantage and a differentiating factor for our, our clients. Um, and I think, you know, what that often leads to is we'll have to kill projects before we even take them on because, hey, just so you know, there's this weird thing within your city that, you know, is going to cost you a lot more money or is going to uh, you know, be very challenging to overcome. And we want to put this on the radar before you sign any contract with us. We would rather have those pieces known ahead of time to homeowners than get into you know, two, three months of working with them and having to raise that challenge. And so a lot of that is a really developed planning and, and uh, permitting function. But then, you know, when it comes to the building piece, we said, hey, we don't need to go reinvent the wheel here. So we don't own any factories. We don't do any kind of, you know, 3D printing or any of this sort of like, you know, new modern building processes. Yeah. We've said, hey... You know, cities understand how, uh, how how traditional construction works. Turns out there's a ton of modular factories out there that have been building for decades and they want to work with us. And so we've really built these fantastic partnerships with factory providers across the Western U.S. that build build units in their factory and um, and kind of handle that entire kind of procurement to, to final touch-ups uh, to delivery for us. Um, so I'd say, you know, where do we index is, is an exceptional customer experience in that kind of front end of things. That makes sense. Um, and do you, are you actually, uh, can you talk about, can you, and I don't know if you can say this or not, can you say what factories you're working with these days? Uh, we don't, we actually keep that pretty close to chest. Um, re- yeah, reason being, right, fine. this like, is a pretty competitive like, space. Some other companies in Seattle, in like Seattle, uh, work with Champion, like, anyway, like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, it, like, right. Anyway, it's fine if you guys can't say. Yeah. But, uh, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Um, awesome. But you work with a few factories? Yes. Yeah, so we work with, uh, quite a large and growing network of factory partners. And really, you know, what, what we're trying to do there is provide them a great experience as well. We look at our factory partners and our install partners as customers, right? Yeah. How, what can we do to make their lives easier? How can we work better with them, right? And I think that's actually a more and more differentiating piece on the supply side, right? One of the really interesting things around ADUs is there's a ton of demand, right? This market is growing really quickly, not only yep. in California, but across the nation. And actually, the bigger challenge is how do you how do you like maintain the right amount of supply to serve that? Yeah, and I think especially I mean, in a construction environment where is like, is like a year plus wait just yeah, to get into it. right mm-hmm. just yeah just to be able to get in. I mean, the backlogs in these factories are crazy, and that's just the global construction scene right now, right? It's just the demand is outstripped supply, and so I think 
one of the, the approaches we've taken a little bit differently is how do we make life as easy as possible for our factory partners? That means, you know, having a really open conversation around pricing and margins with them, but also, hey, it turns out when we submit our orders, we really hate it when you guys do this. Awesome. We'll go ahead and fix that for you, right? Being open to learning how to change our ways of working to, you know, fit within their mold as best as possible, because frankly, factory partners are, you know, it's, it's a capacity constrained space right now. And we want to make sure we earn, earn their respect. Got it. Um, okay, but so so that's interesting. But you guys haven't thought about vertically integrating. You think using third parties is the way to is the way to go for now? <laughs> it's because the I, ever, because with, with yeah. only only a few, like I understand. So some of the custom companies we work with, I totally understand why there wouldn't totally. be tremendous benefits because it's like okay, yeah. everyone's unique. But where you guys basically have whatever three three frames, yep, and right, they're all fifteen feet wide or whatever. Uh, yep. it, it like it's not the most complex uh, thing compared yeah. to. Some, Setups. No, you're, you're spot on, Michael, right? It's like, actually, the case for us owning the factory side is pretty strong. Three models, you run them down the line over and over and over. Um, I think I think the way that we've looked at this to date is starting a factory from the ground up is relatively capital intensive right. and, a, and a pretty Not large capital. fixed cost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yep. now we've got this huge factory that we got to maintain, as well as, you know, staff. learning how to... Yeah. Yes, you got to staff it, but also learning how to to think about kind of factory operations and as well as, you know, still growing our footprint across the Western U.S. from a sales perspective. And the yeah, way we've stared at that is... Exactly, right? And the way that we've stared at that is saying, like, maybe one day, right? Maybe we get to the point where just there's too much margin we're leaving on the table or we don't have enough control or you name it. But, but where we are currently as a business is we have fantastic factory partners. We love working with them. They fill our needs. And we can put all of our focus as a business on growing our geographic footprint, our ability to permit things quickly, our ability to work really closely with customers. And I think, you know, the factory piece comes out of that once we've proven uh, even further that customers love working with us, that we can deliver on what we say and that we can serve a big swath of the U.S. Got it. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So just sort of in terms of the end user experience, again, I, I love that yeah. you and probably a couple others are starting to at least bring more sort of I don't know if I'd call it transparent pricing, but like easier to grasp pricing in terms yeah. of like, this is what like, right. Like it's not, it may not be that you understand the line items um, within, but like you at least understand kind of for to get the this, land, number. this piece of land, right. Yeah. Yes. The all in number. Um, can you, do you think like a lot of times, like when I, we go like websites, right. Like, so we do our, our yeah. work on this, but like the websites are, they say from this. So I was yeah. oftentimes we do this because this is the request we get most. We walk through kind of a standardish project. So maybe yeah. so you said you're in a, whatever the Bay Area. So let's say yep. we're on a flyish lot in like Redwood City, um, perfect, or some other town like that. Um, yep. well, you can pick any of your models. Do you think? Because um, again, the site work right and the, the like. Yep. That's kind of where this number usually gets a little. Can- uh, Less hard to understand. Um, do you think you can maybe walk through on for like let's say a flattish lot, um, what a uh, what a project might look like? Absolutely. So let's let's take city of San Jose. That's where we've Perfect. done the most of our work to date and makes sense. Have like a pretty high end of of what those costs look like. So and let's pick our um, let's pick our Bodu one, our five hundred okay. square foot one bed one bath. So that that pricing actually you're catching us right as we're flowing through a price increase because. Okay. I don't know if you've heard, but lumber is back up quite a bit, and, and commodities across the board are up quite a bit. And yeah, it's, it's obviously, yeah, yeah, right. We've we've done our best as a business to absorb as much of that as possible, but there gets to a point where it's just 
you know, you, you have yeah, to adjust. It's, and it's March. 4th. <laughs> By the way, everyone, it's March. Yeah. 22. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of ener- energy and geopolitics. A lot of change. All sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, so our, our Bodu 1 pricing has actually just shifted up to 242000 as our starting price. And that starting price includes the unit build and factory. That includes delivery of the Abodu 1. That includes standard craning up to 100 feet uh, of that Abodu 1. That includes the foundation and utility connections up to 50 feet of run for each of those utilities. So electric, water, and waste are what we typically do. Um, and that includes all the services of permitting. So what does that not include, right? Uh, we pass through permit fees at cost. So a city says, here's your permit fee bill. It's $6,000. We provide that line item cost to the homeowner and say, hey, here's here's what that is. The reason we don't include that in our standard pricing is because cities are vastly different in what they charge in permit fees, right? It can be fourteen dollars to $15,000 in the city of Santa Clara, or it could be less than $2,000 in the city of Millbrae. Those cities are 20 miles apart, but that's a vastly different permit fee amount. And if we tried to you know, build our pricing around that, we would just end up being more punitive to the city or the homeowners in cities that don't have high permit fees. So we've tried to say that, that is something that we can control for, but it's passed through at cost. The other things that we typically see in terms of like a site work piece is, um, you know, a bit more trenching. So, hey, actually for in the city you're working in, you have to connect up to the front of the sewer line instead of underneath your main home or, hey, the electric run is actually coming from um, you know, uh, it's, it's the front left corner of your property and you're putting the abode in the back right corner of your property. So you've got to you know, run that a hundred feet, which means there's a 50 additional feet of trenching there. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we, we try to build this in a programmatic way, right? How are our costs associated with us and how can we make that super clear to homeowners of where their costs are coming from? So let's say that 242 K project in San Jose, let's say the average San Jose permit fees are roughly like six to 7,000. We have that noted on the on the proposal up front. Hey, in our previous projects in San Jose, this is what we've typically seen, but it's just an estimate. Um, and then we'll say, hey, actually, your property has an extra 10 feet of craning. So that 10 feet of craning is at 10 feet times uh, the, the craning cost. And then our, you know, an extra 20 feet of trenching for sewer, that's you know, 20 feet times the sewer trenching cost. And we provide this estimate for a homeowner that's like, here's your final number based on everything we've learned about your property. So I'd say like right now in San Jose, flat lot, one bedroom, right? We're seeing property or projects come in all in with permit fees and trenching and all that fun stuff, uh, right around 260K. Got now the that hard part include, is- Would that include like solar and Title 24 and all that stuff right now? Or would that yep, also be- That includes it okay. all in. Yep. Now, the hard part with that is uh, that you know 260 was probably 230 a year and a half ago, yeah. right? Maybe even less. I mean, we were doing projects at sub you know, like 205. Uh, just a few years ago. And it's just the state of the world where you know, not only has site work gone up, but factory building has gone up, all the material inputs have gone up, permitting timelines have extended, you name it, right? Like it's everyone across the industry is feeling it right now. Yep. That makes sense. But I mean, you're still at least like, I, I don't know, if we'll talk about use cases in a second, but like you're at least still in the, right? Like you're, you are higher than 500 oh, yeah. square foot, which seems crazy, but you're still in the like, if you wanted to rent this unit out, I don't know what that oh, yeah. rents up. You probably have data. What is it? Twenty five hundred dollars a square. Twenty five hundred dollars a month. Three thousand dollars a month. More. Yeah, um, our one bedrooms are renting out for unfortunate, for better, or for worse, right? Great for the homeowners, right. terrible for the state it's of the market. Yeah. But uh, but like between three thousand and thirty five hundred dollars a month for the one right. bedroom. And you're probably yeah. looking at what if you if you do a thirty year mortgage on this, you're at like what fifteen hundred bucks a month or maybe a little higher. Yeah, a little know. less between it's like twelve hundred ish exactly. Okay. So I mean, so you, you've got a pretty compelling good. case yeah. of cash flow there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Um, and then, um, and then like what, 
I know that one of the things you've talked about a lot on your sort of website is being able to really condense the timeline, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of a what you've done to do that and be like yeah. what normal timeline for sort of a fairly standard project like what we're talking about might take? Yep. Absolutely. So I think, you know, one of the one of the biggest headaches we've heard from homeowners across the board with any construction project or renovation project is just it took forever and we had no yeah. idea when it would be done. And it was so opaque. And you know, just like the if you're not in the construction space, it's really tough to grasp. You know, what do you mean the windows are delayed by a week? What do you mean the cabinets? It's like that's just construction, right? It's it's this crazy supply chain that exists, and obviously the past year and a half here hasn't made things any better. Um but I think, you know, one of the, so, so we took a hard look at that and said, how do we make things easier? One is just building the entire unit offsite, right? So building that in factory, you get to control a lot of the timelines. Our factory builds right now take um, three to four months of actual build time. Now that obviously is post procurement of everything. And, and you know, you got to make sure you have everything in stock there. But that's a significant a significant improvement of what an onsite build time is, right? An onsite build time when you're waiting for materials to arrive and whatnot, like, especially for a 500 square foot ADU. We've heard horror stories of those being two years of backyard time. I think the more, you know, the average is probably closer to nine months to a year, but still yeah. obscene. So one mm-hmm. is just like building a factory, you get a little more control. What we've started to do as a business is say, how can we pre-buy inventory of our supplies, right? So can we go buy a bunch of windows? Can we go buy a bunch of doors? Can we go buy a bunch of the long lead time things so that when we're ready to press an order, those are actually already in stock with our factory partners instead of, you know, oh, we got to wait six months for the windows to arrive before we can even start construction. I think number two is taking that one step further and saying, why don't we pre-build entire units, right? Why don't we just, why don't we just build this the way that car dealerships and car manufacturers think right. about it? And then you just customize the siding and the appliances or whatever. Exactly, right? Oh, you know, a homeowner wants this siding or this paint color. Great. We can do that in the last, you know, three days of production. And homeowners can start just picking these either fully completed units or units that have like a month left in production. And so that's yep. sort of what we've called our Bodu Quick Ship program. Um, so like in the most insane use case of the Quick Ship program, we've delivered a home in less than 20 days from contract to keys. It was an investor in San Jose, bought the property. We permitted it the next day through our San Jose pre-approval program, started site work, got 10 days to get the foundation utility connections in, delivered a fully completed two-bedroom unit another 10 days for uh, final inspections and kind of final touch-ups. And here we are 20 days post contract keys in the homeowner's hand, ready to rent out. And I think that was a like unbelievable use case of our quick ship plus our, our San Jose pre-approval. Um, but our standard project, right. Let's talk that normal flat lot. Yeah. It's 60 days or so. That's right. Or whatever. Exactly. All the, you know, a standard kind of permitting pro timeline. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that right now be about six and a half to seven months. And I'd say that's the average, right? Sometimes we're, we're hitting that like four and a half to five month timeline. And sometimes, you know, if you've got a particularly challenging uh, local jurisdiction to work in, that timeline can be, can be seven to eight months. But I, I will say we've done a fantastic job of maintaining really tight project timelines, despite the world throwing everything it can at our space to make that really challenging. That's awesome. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm sure your customers are very appreciative of that. Um, I yeah. have a couple of questions about sort of uh, your all's products. So um, I think all yeah. your all your uh, abodes are designed by uh, Kodo, right? Um, is yes. That right? Our, three, um, our yeah. three units right now, we've worked really closely with uh, Kodo Design. They're a, a UK-based architecture firm uh, that kind of really specializes in Scandinavian influences. Um, and the goal there was to marry, you know, the Scandinavian simplicity of small spaces with kind of California coastal architecture. And that's where you see this like 
kind of iconic de- design space. It has a kind of a, you know, it's a diagonal gable roof, so a funky looking roof line, but this really striking presence. Um, and the goal there was to give homeowners a, a piece of art for their backyard, right? And, and really, you know, we can match it very closely to their home, or we can do this very striking, you know, cedar siding or core 10 steel siding that looks very different. Um, but give homeowners that opportunity to have a, a, a ADU in their backyard that they're proud to have on their property. That makes sense. Yeah. And I really do love your design. One of the things that, again, whatever, we have a couple hundred thousand people come to our site every, <laughs> every, uh, every month. So we get a lot of like feedback on, Hey, I want this. I want that. Et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, uh, again, like people oftentimes choose based on the design, right? They're like, mm-hmm. I like the way this looks. So your design's great, but right. It's like, Again, you have three models, so um, and they're they're fairly similar. Um, with as you said, a bunch of configurations. Do you think as you sort of start to br- branch out on new models, you're going to continue this sort of kind of as you said, sort of iconic specific design, or do you think um, that is also something where you're going to just try to like have more breadth as you scale? Yeah, it's a really great question. I think um, you know if, if if I'm thinking about our product roadmap right now over the next twelve to eighteen months. The core of what we're thinking about is design, right? How do we design a space that is fantastic to live in and built to be lived in for our homeowners, right? Either their loved ones and family members or their their rental tenants. Um, I think we will begin to push the boundaries of that design. You know, what does that mean? Does that always incorporate, you know, XYZ design elements or how do we rethink that, especially as we go, you know, say bigger or smaller? Um, But I think that's, you know, that's a very great question of like, will abodus always look like their current state? Likely not, right? It's just a business will need to continue evolving. And as we serve different markets, they have different design tastes. And I think what we're really um, stretching as as a, as a product and design org right now is how do we continually iterate what we provide to homeowners to make sure we're meeting their needs across the board. So I'd say long story short, we're always evolving our thinking on, uh, on what our structures need to look like in order to win. Got it. And then um, we sort of talked about this sort of investor use case before. Is that what, yeah. what are the sort of, if you wanted to give the pie chart, that's great. If not, that's fine too. Like yeah. what are the sort of different reasons you see people actually building your homes typically? Totally. No, I'd say we have two primary use cases, right? There's a long tail of interesting ones after these two, but typically it's housing for a loved one or family member mm-hmm. or for rental income. And I'd say the housing for a loved one or family member really sprung up a lot during COVID where you know, multi-generational households were at an all-time high. You know, people may be pinched a couple, you know, on, on their wallets here or there. And, you know, children are back living with their parents. Grandparents are moving in with their parents, aunts, uncles, right? Um, either way, there's this need for more space. And if you look at kind of California housing stock, we're talking, you know, three bed, one bath homes that were built in 1965 or 1975 and, and haven't really been updated. And that's a tough that's a tough living environment for three generations to be under. And I've seen, you know, a lot of our customers come to us saying, we just need, a, we just need more space. And it turns out a detached ADU is one of the easiest ways to do that, right? You're not blowing out your kitchen or adding a bathroom or living through nine to 12 months of renovation in your primary home. You've got a couple of weeks of construction in your backyard and then this unit just arrives. Um, and it's a pretty magical experience for them, right? So I'd say that's one of the biggest use cases. And then the second one is obviously uh, kind of the return on investment. I'm looking to rent this out full time, uh, you know, a member of our community or, or traveling nurse or, you know, there's so many different use cases for rental, but um, I'd say about 50% of our units are currently rented out, um, which is that homeowner, you know, either the homeowner lives in the primary home or is a 
uh, investor and, and already rents out the primary home and is just looking down another door to their portfolio uh, coming to work with us because we provide a lot of benefits there, right? Our quick ship program that can deliver units really quickly. Time is money for the investor set. Each month they're not collecting rent, but they're paying debt service on their loan is hurting them. So if we can deliver that faster and allow them to see that return faster, huge benefit, but also that upfront pricing. Hey, build this into your pro forma. If it pencils for you, fantastic. Let's get going. And if it doesn't pencil for you, good thing we knew that now instead of nine months from now, right? Um, but I think those are the two biggest use cases. We obviously see some of the like home office uses or you know uh, recreational gym uses, but I would say those are sub 3% of our total project stack right now. Got it. Um, and then one of the things you talked about um, was... Uh sort of investors and time is money. And I'd say one of the most sort of structurally challenging things we found for uh, ADUs is this sort of financing piece. It seems yeah. like almost all financing comes down to, I know there's a few like people like Renify, et cetera, doing sort of mm-hmm. interesting things that take a while, but like a lot of times, yeah. like it seems like you're basically either saying this person's wealthy enough to pay out of pocket or this person <laughs> has a lot of equity in their home. And yep. is going to pay for it that way. Is that essentially what you're, which again, like works for certain types of people in certain types of use cases. Yeah. Um, is that essentially what you're seeing or are there other ways of financing outside of those two? No, I mean, for better or for worse, Michael, those are, those are kind of the key pieces, right? Someone has a stock portfolio that's, I guess as of the fall was up quite a bit, but maybe right. now not they so have much anymore. Or they, they can sell. Yeah. Or they've got their home equity, right? And they pull a HELOC out and it's, and it's a no brainer. I think, you know, early last year in late 2020, we saw a lot of cash out refinances. It just made a ton of sense. Interest rates were very low. And I think we've seen those wane off a bit more. And so the folks that are around right that bubble of financeability, right? Maybe they don't have the full equity in their home or they don't have a stock portfolio worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, we've seen starting to, to go more towards construction loans. Right, it's a little bit more older form of financing, and it's definitely a little right. bit more expensive form of financing. But it's a short-term form of financing, right? Hey, let's go ahead and get this built. Let's get it done as quick as possible, and let's convert that construction loan to a thirty-year uh, mortgage or or fifteen or you know whatever someone wants. And I think we've seen the rise of the construction loan. You know, I'd say this time last year, maybe five percent of our projects were doing construction loans, and I'd say where we are right now, maybe that's closer to ten to fifteen. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to watch that, you know, for folks right on the, the bubble there of financeability, you know, having the right amount of equity in their home or, or call it cash slash equity proceeds elsewhere. Construction loans are definitely, I think, becoming more in vogue right now. Uh, are there specific, like, uh, we're we constantly getting requests for lenders. Um, are there specific yeah. lenders that you like a lot for that for your projects? Like, who are you referring people to? That is a fantastic question. We, um, I would say, uh, you know, right now we're not a... Uh, certified financial lender. So we don't, yeah. you know, we don't have like a brokerage in house. We kind of just say, Hey, here's a couple, you know, here's a list of lenders. We know that our customers have worked with in the past. Feel mm-hmm. free to give them a ring. Um, and I'd say that list is growing. We want to give our homeowners options, but I would say yeah. there hasn't been like one or two or three lenders that all of our customers have uh, congregated towards, right? It's been a little bit of, you know, we've had people use groups like Renify. We've had people use traditional banks like first American. We've had, you know, I know Umqua plays a lot within the uh, the yeah, ADU I mean, we, general we, we like financing a lot on the like new construction, for example. We work with like, yeah. yeah. Um, There's definitely all, banks all that understand USA, it, et cetera, people, um, people like exactly. that on the, on the new side. Um, so the, I guess the the question then for you guys is, if the, the so I, I we like those groups, right? We think especially for yeah. modular, which can be a little trickier to finance than uh, 
sort of kit homes uh, because yeah. right uh, those, because the draw schedule is a little, little different. Those people can be really good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're fast, um, <laughs> at least in our, our experience. Um, That's very fair. I, I well, just so like yeah. So what what are you all seeing in that? Just because like I can imagine like the advan- awesome thing for you is right. Like these homes are pre are they they're pre engineered and they're whatever yep. they're and stuff pre engineered. Yeah, right. I mean, I assume are you? Guys, I assume you're probably looking at like 45 days or 60 days to get yep. these. Um, That's about right. Completed. And and you know how we've addressed that, Michael is is the very first conversation we have with any prospective Abodu homeowner, we bring up financing. Hey, how are you thinking about, you know, here's what, you know, we want to give you a range. It can be X to Y. You know, how are you thinking about paying for this? Is it, you know, cash out of pocket? If it's financing, oh, you're thinking about financing. Great. We recommend getting on that as soon as possible. And maybe you don't end up using it, but like you need, you know, this is a, t- a process that takes 45 to 60 days. And the sooner you think about it, the sooner that pulls out of your kind of, uh, call it the, the thing you're waiting for in order for your project to get moving. Um, we've seen that help, right? I'd say we instituted yeah. that into our sales process maybe about a year ago. You know, yeah. We've now seen folks being more uh, proactive about financing and being ready at the kind of contract phase to, to you know, with financing in hand versus, all right, I'm ready to sign my contract. And, oh, wait, financing is going to take two months. Well, let's let's put this on hold for two months. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's been a little bit different of a shift of how yeah. we think about that. When, when I, I think this is hard, which is why no one's done it yet. But when you guys, right, like in terms <laughs> of thinking about like the, the user facing experience and all the pain, pain yep. associated stuff. When you, and like I think there actually is like a lot of benefits to sort of having heterogeneity, like a number of loan options. But I feel like yep. when you all are able to say like, here are three or four of our fast track partners, fill out this form, right? There's going to be yep. expedited appraisals because I mean appraisal itself are our nightmare right now. Um, nightmare. Are uh, like it feels like that will take a lot of like I'm just thinking about like things that would make the customer experience a lot better. Feels like that will was definitely one that would be cool. Um, yeah, Michael, that would. Uh... If, if you could offer integrated financing and build, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that just becomes much more like the car buying experience, right? right hey, exactly. I want this car. Oh, I can get approved for a loan in four minutes here at the dealership. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, there's a couple, you know, structural things that make that challenging, but we are continually chipping away at those, uh, you know, with the end goal of being able to make this as easy and, and clear kind of point A to point B for homeowners as possible. Yeah. I assume that, that some company is just going to end up like, buying some small like what's what's happening in a lot of the other banking stuff like so you get all the licenses and all that stuff but i i'm, yep. I'm not an expert on this part of the, like, not, <laughs> it's not quite challenging expert, <laughs> i'm an expert on, on the sort of pain and user experience but i don't know all the things preventing different people from owning what um okay yeah. so moving moving into we have a quick next section called the fire round this is when yeah. you get it's like you on uh, our podcast we try to ask a few questions that are probably kind of similar to faqs you get all all the time. So, you know, Absolutely. do your best to answer each of these in one minute or less. Um, so anyway, <laughs> first question, uh, how's the, what's, what's the difference between permitting ADUs in uh, Washington versus in California? Oh, great question. California has a statewide permitting framework. So we know going into any city exactly what we're allowed to build. Uh, Washington doesn't. So each city is a little bit different. They've got their own kind of, you know, the way that California has standardized four foot rear inside property line setbacks and standardized kind of height requirements and square footage requirements. Washington is a, not a standardized, let's say. And so there's a little bit more of just legwork up front to understand what we can do in each city and what we can't. Um, but frankly, other than that, it's very similar process rise, right? You still require, you know, planning check, which is typically pretty easy for ADUs. You require building review, you require public works review, kind of all the, all the, and fire review, the groups that check it. Um, 
And I'd say like we've actually been able to scale our planning team, the team that handles our permitting uh, across states really easily, right? The people that handle our California permits are the same people that handle our Washington permits because uh, the core pieces are similar. I would say a lot more of that upfront work is what's different between the two. Got it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about like site evaluation? Um, this is sort of anecdote here is like we had a, a, a user we were working with the other day, right? And they're on a, uh, honestly, not even that steep, but like, they had sort of slightly funny access to their house in uh, in Marin County yeah. in California. And we basically deemed pretty quickly, right? Like we couldn't get a, uh, a crane adequately yep. and we kind of, kind of drop a, a modular box on. So we're going to go another route, but what are the things that you look for in trying to figure out site evaluation? Totally. So we have a really robust process in house. The immediate or the second that a uh, lead comes in. So someone submits their information on our website. We actually have a team in the back end here that's evaluating their property against key criteria, right? So like the baseline is, can you fit an abode in your backyard? Do you have space for the required setbacks and fire separation requirements from the main home? Um, after that, it's, do you have a clear craning path, right? So that can mean you know, power lines aren't in the way, big redwood trees aren't in the way, you name it. We have a 3D uh, mapping software that we use to, to kind of spin a property around and get a good view for that. Uh, and those are kind of the two biggest ones. Do you have space and can we install? After that is, you know, the access roads. And that's been a really interesting as we've expanded into new markets, like call it Sonoma and Napa counties, where, yeah. you, you know, we take for granted how wide the roads are in San Jose. And suddenly you get up into Sonoma and Napa counties and some of these more remote properties. And you actually can't bring a 14 foot wide unit down the road because of, you know, the, the widths of the road are only 10 to 12 feet. Yep. And so those are some of the more, the deeper access things that we've been evaluating, but typically, you know, we give a really good deep scan that gives us 90% confidence, right? When a lead comes in and then we have a feasibility study process whereby a member of our team comes out and walks the property with the homeowner, right? Understands what they're looking for, builds a proposal to their exact needs, but also is looking for that final 10% of, yes, we can get this project done or, Hey, here's a deal breaker. And we want you to know that now, instead of three months into your project. Awesome. That makes sense. Uh, sort of next question is um, we've gotten a lot of interest uh, in uh, this new, I think it's, I, don't, I think you call it a law, uh, SB9 in California. Yeah. Which, um, I think uh, the summary is basically it allows most lots to theoretically split into two. Um, yep. Have you had interest or experience in people using a Bodus for that? And um, do a Bodus work for that? Um, because I guess technically it'd be like a single family home versus an ADU at the end of this. Yeah, no, Michael, we've had unbelievable amount of interest in that. And I think, um, you know, we've been tracking SB9 for a couple of years now. It used to be SB 1120 that did not pass back in uh, 2020 and then SB9 passed in 2021. And I think that the theoretical promise is really large, right? Theoretically, a Bodus can absolutely be used, um, you know, building an ADU and separating that out. Um, I think the, the in reality challenges are still quite large and we've already seen, um, you know, cities taking a very, I might call hostile approach towards the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it took, if you think about how ADUs rolled out in 20, you know, 18, 2019, pre the 2020 ADU changes, it was a city by city patchwork of ADU re uh, legislation that in 2020 was able to be patched up and made uh, statewide. Yep. I think we're going to need something similar with SB9 over the next two years. Otherwise, it's really challenging to, to serve multiple customers at scale, right? Like I think, What's, what's really challenging is homeowners, you know, are, are relying on, you know, companies to just handle this for them, but the kind of like wave your hands and make, make my property SB9 eligible is really challenging because, you know, certain cities are requiring, you know, different landscaping or different size requirements or, 
you name it around how to approve one of these projects without guaranteed like permitting timelines, right? It could be neighborhood comments are required and it, it could be, you know, this is a, a 12 month, 16 month, 18 month review before it's approved. And I think the way that we've taken you know, how oh, we've approached SB9 is- It's not ministerially applied, uh, I mean, <laughs> approved like ADUs or whatever. Well, so in, in theory, yes. I believe the law actually has like ministerial approved approval language in it, but it's but but cities are finding interesting ways around the ministerial approval, right? I believe it was we've the heard, city of Los Altos. We've, we've heard setbacks as an issue. Um, like, yep. Like, I, I don't know if that, but again, we haven't looked at this very deeply, just sort of anecdotally with a few people. I totally. I mean, there was the city of Woodside that tried to say they were a mountain lion habitat and thus couldn't do this, period. And obviously... Mm-hmm. That was a big uproar a couple of weeks ago that was reversed. And mm-hmm. I believe it was the city of Los Altos Hills said, if you're going to do an SB9 project, it has to be, you know, you have to have this size trees shielding the home from the main street. It's like, you know, 10, five gallon trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you look at that and try and serve customers in multiple jurisdictions at scale right there, it's really challenging. And so our approach as a business has been, let's, let's let it develop a little bit and let's watch how cities continue to evolve and, and you know, be parts of those conversations with cities. But let's not go make a bunch of promises to homeowners that we have no idea if we're going to be able to keep, right? Especially in a new market. And especially we consider ourselves a relatively new business still at you know, three and a half years old. We don't, want to, we don't want to promise homeowners something we can't keep. And I think that's a, a big worry with the state of SB9 right now that, uh, that we're watching really closely. Got it. Um, and then let's see. I think we had one more. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, guys, going through all our questions right now. Okay, um, and then, uh, oh yeah, lastly, uh, can you talk a little bit, I think you sort of um, made kind of sort of subtle reference to these before. I know like the city of LA, I think the city of San Jose also, they've done these uh, pre-approved plan programs yeah. that I think you're a part of. Um, yeah. Obviously those have been written about a lot. Um, can you talk about like how those have sort of materially helped or not helped kind of your business in the customer experience process? Because some of the plans Absolutely. seem like, okay, like from you all, those are being built and some of them, yep. especially on the LLA side looks like, Oh, you know, this, <laughs> this architecture firm probably had like a, a fun hack day, but like, I don't believe these are actually like being built as sort of presented on the site. Yeah. No, that's a, I, I'd say that's a, a pretty astute view there where, and, and I think, I think taking a step back, right? Like the concept of a pre-approval program is a fantastic idea. Right. Hey, if we're building the same design over and over, why do, why should we go through the plan sense. check for project number ten? Um, I think th- in practice is where the kind of proof is in the pudding. Right, a city like San Jose, where we've been working with them for got almost three years in their pre-approval program, that is still like the the golden child of ADU permitting. We can be out of San Jose in less than one day with a permit from start to finish. Where outside of that pre-approval program, that's a nine to twelve month permitting process right now for ADUs in San Jose. So that right there is like a massive impact, not only to our business, but to our homeowners, to the customer experience, to the city of San Jose, right? Now they're getting more units in the ground. I would say other cities have a little work left to do, right? Even cities that have established pre-approval programs, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of the, in theory, this should work, but then they get into the nitty gritty of like, well, you know, fire review and, and public works review and building review and planning review. And those reviewers aren't talking to each other. So, you know, fire takes a week, but building takes six weeks. And, and really the concept of pre-approval just gets eliminated. Um, but we've, we've worked really closely with cities across the state and counties across the state on that pre-approval. And the ones where they've figured it out, right, cities like San Jose, um, a fantastic outcome. I mean, it, absolutely what I would consider close to magic in the construction space. Um, but I do think, you know, even some cities that have announced pre-approvals have some room 
left to grow uh, and continually iterate on their program to actually make it impactful. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for um, providing all your insight here. Final question, um, and we ask everyone this. Yeah. Uh, what are you most excited about for your company or for the industry in the near future? Whew, that's a great question, Michael. Um, I mean, it's tough not to be excited about ADUs as a whole right now. I think, you know, they're, they're solving a lot of really core problems for homeowners and investors across the state, right? And they're, they're adding meaningful units. What was the last tally? Something like 20,000 ADUs in California last year. Like that's a, that's a meaningful dent in number of housing units being built. And I think as a whole, we're really excited to just be a part of that and, and, and you know, being able to, to deliver quite a few units for homeowners across the Western U.S. I think that's, that's kind of like from the industry side, from our company side, we've seen unbelievable growth over the past year. We, we 5 x our, our business in the past year. We've grown our team. We're almost at 60 total employees now, right? Serving all of our markets, really making sure that we have the right level of support for our homeowners across the board. You know, we're, we're beginning to look at, at new products, you know, some of the stuff I alluded to a little bit earlier, but also new markets, right? Where else, where else geographically does the ADU concept make sense and how do we scale our business to serve there? And I think it's all to say, like, it's a really exciting time to be in ADUs to be at a Bodu, but also just to be in prefab, right? Like the strides being made, the efficiency being made, even despite this like crazy supply chain shortage, prefab is one of the shining lights really finding their way through. Um, and I, I, you know, I think it's really tough to point at a time over the past 20 years where it's been this exciting to be in the like, let's go do construction space. Uh, but it's something that really drives our team's uh, energy and team's excitement level. And, and we've built a team of folks that just love solving these hard problems together. Awesome. Um, thanks again, John. Um, for more information about John and Abodu, visit abodu, A-B-O-D-U.com. And uh, you can always visit us as always at prefabreview.com. Thanks again. Thanks, Michael.